Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from the Little Feminist Book Club. Little Feminist wants to help you diversify your child's bookshelf. Each box is built around one to two books of the month that feature strong female characters and or people of color. Their books are selected by a team of teachers, librarians, and parents. I recently received a Little Feminist Book Club box with Gabrielle Grimard's book, Lila and the Crow, which is this beautiful story that centers on a repeated incident of bullying and the strength Lila finds to overcome it. The box contained two activities that complemented the story, as well as all the supplies my kids and I needed to make them, and I loved that it was something that my three-year-old and eight-year-old and I could all do together. Go to littlefeminist.com and use the coupon code WINNER, or click on the link at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast to get started today. Support also comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. This Black Friday, Storyteller Academy is hosting a picture book boot camp, with 100% of the proceeds being donated to the charities We Need Diverse Books and First Book. Faculty includes Vanessa Brantley-Newton, Jim Averbach, Jannie Ho, Melissa Manlove, and more. And all for just 20 bucks. Don't miss out. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. Can you hear me now? Oh, I can hear you really well now. Okay, great. Way to upgrade. How about it? <laughs> awesome. It's instinctual. The willingness to give what you have to those who don't. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 473. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Oge Mora, author and illustrator of Thank You, Amu. In the story, the scent of the stew Amu has been laboring over draws a number of visitors to her door, and Amu is all too eager to share with her visitors. But when it comes time for her to eat, Amu finds she has nothing left. Oge's debut is not only an homage to her own grandmother, but also one grown out of inspiration for all of the amazing women who carried her and us all to where we each are today. Please welcome my guest, Oge Mora, and her debut picture book, Thank You, Amu. Welcome to the podcast, Oge Mora. I'm so excited that we're talking. Thank you for having me. This is 
so great. What an experience from listening to a podcast and being able to be on it. How fun is that? I love that you were a listener and now you're on the other side. It's so cool. I love that. Okay, wait. Do you... I want to invite you to introduce yourself, but first, I would like to ask if you know the origin story of you on this podcast. I actually think that I do. Squee! So So excited! (laughs) I it was it was funny. Uh, Yeah, so I think that you I I heard I heard the uh, interview you had with Susan Susan. from Shaking Things Up. Yes, who and. I came up and I was. You like, did the cover. I, listening it. I mean, you did an illustration, <laughs> but it became the cover. It became the poster. It became the everything. Yeah, it was pretty. It was pretty wild. Yeah, like like Susan and Harvard Collins and Nancy have been really great. They were just <sighs> like, "Hey, we want to use this for the cover," and I was like, <laughs> "What?" Because <laughs> at that point, like, I had no book out or anything right. like that. Already just kind of like a surreal kind of experience. And then it got, like, even better. And then I was just like, whoa. <laughs> I, so, yeah. I remember also, Susan. Such a great project. Very lovingly. Among, for all of the illustrators that were involved in that project and all the, um, all the people that, that, that touched that beautiful book, um, and I love also that here's this book about about young women leading, right? But yeah. the fact that I remember her saying, in maybe not these exact words, but she said, oh, she's one to watch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Mora, she's one to watch. <laughs> or something like, you don't know her name, but you will. And then uh, whenever it was uh, in the future... Um, I I was sent a couple of review copies of upcoming books from Little Brown, and I was like, "Ooh, this is a pretty book. This thank you Amu book." And then I looked down, and there was your name, and <laughs> and from that moment, I just want to tell you that from that moment, um, my heart has been so excited to talk to you and to express that love that I feel for your work and the beauty that I see in your work. So I. Uh, make no mistake how excited I am that the road has brought us together tonight. Okay, I'm so excited about that. Oh, thank you so much. That that totally means a lot. I'm so happy to hear that. Okay, so all of your for all of your listeners that are like future nerding out over your work people, um, would you mind introducing yourself uh, uh, so that so that we can know who you are? Of course. So, um, <laughs> well, my name is Oge Mora, and I am the author slash illustrator of the book Thank You, Amu. It came out this October with Little Brown. And you might have already seen my work that we're talking about on the cover of Susan Hood's Shaking Things Up that came out last January. Amazing book about 14 young women who changed the world. And I did the illustration for Ruby Bridges, which is which made the cover, which is really, really great. But yeah. <laughs> so your your debut, we're talking about your author illustrator debut, but you debuted I mean, that's just a cool way to debut. I'm just gonna say it again. It's just cool. <laughs> I'll link it in the show notes because people can like, see that it cover. Was... It's it's gorgeous though. That that bright, striking blue, the profile of Ruby stepping into that school. It's beautiful. Yeah, no, they did. It was it was really, really amazing working with um, 
uh, Chelsea and uh, Nancy. So Chelsea was the designer and mm. Nancy was the editor and just working with them and their vision for the project and Susan as well, where like she had like had the text ready and then some of the artwork started coming in. And so she started changing the text like based on the artwork and stuff like that and how like the cover started to come together. It was, it was really interesting how they picked that sketch where that was like my first sketch that I had done for the book okay. where I was like, okay. I, so I was just like, that's my first sketch. But you know, like, in, cause I, I went to school for illustration and you learned that you never use your first sketch. You like, you always <laughs> do 10 billion sketches. So I did this one sketch and I was like, Oh, I really like this. But I was like, of course I have to do like another like 30 sketches. And so I do all these sketches because I'm super excited. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, there's so many amazing people in this book. I have to be on my game. So I was, like, super excited. So I do tons of sketches. And so I finally select three, and I send them over. And they went for the first sketch. And I was like, well, that was a waste of time. But I'm just <laughs> pleased by it. I um, I think I would yeah. say the 30-some the other sketches just reaffirmed that that your intuition and that your hand – uh, brought you to the right design all along, or maybe it also yeah. teaches you that um, publishing doesn't follow rules of art school. I don't know. <laughs> There's well, lots like, of lessons. You never know. It's, it's, it's always... <laughs> you never know how those things kind of work. But I just knew that when I was doing Ruby Bridges, that Ruby Bridges has a lot of image history, especially with like that iconic Norman Rockwell piece yeah. of her walking to the school. And so I just kind of thought, well if I already had this iconic image of her walking on like kind of like a straight thing, what if I actually go have her going up the actual school steps? And so there's something kind of inspiring about her taking those steps up. And so it puts her more like on an incline. And so it kind of like separates, but also kind of connects to that image history. But mm. I was like, just the yeah. idea I thought. <laughs> we, we can go deep on that design and how, intentional or not, because I'm also aware of the artist's brain or the creative's brain, because it takes all types, uh, that there are sometimes are, are powers at work that you don't even realize you're in control of. The muse is in control, if you will. And um, the, 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 um, the way the, the imagery speaks in that illustration, that those are the moments, that reaching for the door that is the shaking things up moment. That is the moment that changed history. The stepping up, the rising above. There's so much going on there. The fact that that blue sky um, gives off the emotion of strength, of calm, of, of fortitude, um, not of fear, uh, although it must have been there, but, but of resilience. Like there's just, again, there's just so much, there's so much working there. You know, mm. let me transition us though, cause we're, we're here to talk about, thank you, Amu. And we very well could talk for 30 minutes about one piece of your art, which I love. Um, but, um, the way, the way I've been describing this beautiful book that I'm going to ask you in a moment to sort of book talk for us is that mm -hmm. this is, uh, this, it feels like this beautiful love letter of gratitude, not both, not just for the people that have been in your life and of, of your grandmother, but also of what it means to, to have gratitude for other people that come into your life, regardless of relationship. So would you mind, 
Ogay telling us, uh, telling the listeners that, that haven't read this book yet about Thank You, Amu? Of course. So um, Thank You, Amu uh, starts with this elderly woman who lives in this apartment complex at the very top floor. And she decides one day she's going to make a pot of thick red stew. And so she makes, she's making it and she intends that she's going to have it for dinner. And she's sure that it's going to be the best dinner that she's ever had. But as she puts it on, she puts it on the stove. She goes to read her book. And what happens is the scent of the stew kind of becomes its own character in the book. And it starts to kind of twist and turn and go throughout the kind of collage city that I kind of created. And so as she's on her book, there are constant people who knock on her door. And so knocking becomes this kind of sound element as you read it aloud. And so she has all these interesting characters come to her door who smell the stew. Um, she sees like a little boy who comes by, a police officer, a hot dog vendor. And so there's a very kind of classic knock, who can it be? And seeing who has come to her door and everybody who comes to her door and they say, oh, I'm smelling this from across the block or from the street and things like that. She always offers them some of this stew because she's like, I have quite a lot. So she always is sharing it with them. And so basically by the end of the book, everybody and their mama has been past her door for this stew even the mayor. So she feeds so many people and, and it's just, it's instinctual for her. She doesn't think about it too for too much. She just, that's just the kind of person she is. She's just very giving and just wants to just give to anybody who comes and meets her. And so by the end of the day, when it's finally time for dinner, she opens this pot of stew she had made for herself and she realizes it's all empty. <laughs> That she had got so wrapped up in the giving of it, she had forgotten to leave some for herself. And so she's a little upset about that because, you know, she had spent so much time making it. And she hears another knock on her door and she's like, oh, who could it be? And when she opens her door, it's basically everybody that she had fed today had come back to her apartment. And she's first upset because she's like, I'm sorry, I don't have any more to share. The little boy was actually the first person that she had fed. He told her that we're not here to ask, we're here to give. And so everybody had come with uh, like a salads and roast chickens and things like that. And they all squeezed into her tiny apartment. They all ate together and they celebrated. And the little boy had brought her a shiny red envelope. And the nice thing is that the envelope that he gives her echoes the stew pattern <laughs> that I use. <laughs> and inside, it's simply a thank you Amu um, letter that he gives to her. And the his inspiration for thank you Amu, um, Amu means queen in Igbo, uh, which is uh, the where I, I, I originate with my parents and things like that. And it's also what I called my grandmother growing up. And so she's one of the inspirations for Amu. But it's also uh, inspiration for all the really amazing women who kind of carried me <laughs> to where I am today and to their like loving and giving spirit and to really any loved one that we all have who just kind of touches us and takes care of us and kind of echoes, echoes that true spirit of giving that my grandmother has. 
So, yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. There is everything in this book. Everything. I, first off, man, I mean, the, not first off, lots of things off. Um, I thought it was the greatest that the stew, that pattern that we saw in the stew, sort of uh, sort of like a floral pattern in your collage, um, came back as as that thank you. Uh, came back as that card. I thought that was beautiful. But I want to read back, if you don't mind me reading some of your text. I'm going to actually jump around. Is that okay that I read to you? Oh, go, oh, go ahead. <laughs> I, I would love to, because I, I love the way that, that quite literally, the way your text has been written and, and edited and worked around these illustrations is that the text brings everyone in as well. And in that way, the text envelops Amu and cares for her. I'm going to flip around a little bit toward the end here, but it, it, it goes at one point, as you were sharing with us, throughout the day, people from all across the neighborhood knocked on Amu's door. She fed a shop owner, a cab driver, a doctor, an actor, a lawyer, a dancer, a baker, an artist, a singer, an athlete, a bus driver, a construction worker, even the mayor stopped by. And each time they knocked, Amu shared. And to skip ahead, everyone is knocking at the door. And she says, I'm sorry, everyone, Amu sighed. My thick red stew is all gone. I have nothing left to share. And the little boy tugged at Amu's sleeve. Don't worry, Amu. We are not here to ask. We are here to give. And to, to wrap up with the words that you used to wrap up the story, but also the sentiment that you wrapped up as you were sharing it with us, you end with this beautiful line, that dinner was the best she ever had. And I like the way, okay, that you choose the phrase that dinner, because I feel like it invites more than just the food, because so much of what was going on was more than just the food, more than the stew. It was about the breaking bread together, the time, the sharing, the giving, um, and I like that you give Amu the moment where she felt like the only thing she had to give was the stew. For a moment there, her generosity sort of betrays her. Um, mm. But we see all of those recipients of her generosity able to fill her back up again to repay her. In school, there's this this messaging that we use with children that comes from our guidance counselors that comes also from a book. Um, we use the phrase, filling your bucket. Have you heard that phrase before? No. Yeah, have you filled your... The, the phrase, we use the phrase, have you filled someone's bucket today? Meaning, have you done something to help someone else's well feel full? Because it's hard when our well feels empty. But we rely on other people filling up that well because we can't do it ourselves. So the fact that you have Amu caring for other people the way she does, and then in return, those good people uh, who have eaten her food and left, remembered. May, there was a mark left on them, and they, they come back together. Uh, it's a beautiful sentiment that, that, as you were sharing, speaks far beyond food and far beyond breaking bread with one another but about relation. And so uh, it doesn't surprise me to hear that, that in this way, this book, th this book is a reflection of all of those relations in your life as well. So I'm grateful that, that, that this is how you express those emotions. 
Yeah, no, I, thank you so much. You really, I think you really see like the heart of really the book is it, it, it starts with Stu, but it really isn't about Stu, you know, and it's just really about those connections, and those relationships and how beautiful and thankful we we are for them really yeah and how much i learned from her and how i continually learn from so many people in my community and things like that and like celebrating that you know yeah is that that spirit that i think is just so important and i think something that's been so beautiful and my favorite thing about the book being out there is when people come up to me and they tell me their story of Oh, I had um, my grandmother was like this, and this is what she would do. Or, oh, my father did something like this, or stuff like that. And this is what, who this reminds me of, and this is what, who this reminds me of. And so it's kind of, I think the most beautiful thing about when you like put your story out there is how this your story doesn't belong to you anymore. It kind of becomes other people's story, and it just does. like seeing it kind of travel and take on new shapes and sizes has just been kind of this most most special thing about working on it it's just seeing it just grow and become something different and something i i couldn't have possibly anticipated i think it's just really great support for the children's book podcast comes from the highlights foundation hosting intimate and inspiring workshops for children's authors and illustrators The Highlights Foundation offers more than 40 workshops each year for adults interested in writing and illustrating for children and young adult audiences. The workshops are held at their beautiful retreat center in the Pocono Mountains of Pennsylvania. You can also visit their campus for an unworkshop and have your own creative retreat with cozy, private lodging and three meals a day. Come alone or bring your critique group. You're sure to feel inspired. And from Viz Media. Viz is excited to announce that Pokemon Adventures, the most popular and longest-running Pokemon comic, is now available digitally. Visit viz.com Pokemon to read a free preview of the beloved All Ages series. That's viz.com Pokemon. You know, something, something it caused me to reflect on, too, is that connection to my grandparents, um, and I know that, that everyone has different relationships with their grandparents and some have memorable relationships for good or for bad reason. And some, um, don't, uh, didn't have the opportunity to know their grandparents or some still have grandparents living. I, I know it takes all types, but what caused me to, to, to reflect here was that I do think very fondly specifically about my grandmothers. Um, and, and I have just one grandmother remaining, um, but I'm grateful for the memories I've had with my grandfathers and my grandmother uh, who had passed. Um, but it caused me to think for all of these beautiful memories we have our, of our grandparents, I wonder how often we think about how we one day could be in that role of, of imprinting on those generations. I wonder if when my grandmother and when your grandmother were doing all of those great things that they were doing and teaching us to cook these recipes or uh, in my case my grandmother uh, raising me in a hardware store and what that meant to to work (laughs) and to serve people that way um, I I, I wonder if when they were 
when they were doing what they were doing then, if they realized the impact it would have on others. And I, I think too, when I think of your story, that perhaps it's not about thinking about the generations that'll come after you. It's about treating people the right way right now, because Amu mm-hmm. in your story, she's not acting that way thinking as far as we know, thinking, Oh, I'll do this. So that way when these kids are older, they'll be nice <laughs> to the next generation. She's just doing it because it's, it's impulse. It's what she knows to do. Mm. Yeah. I read in the back yeah. that you, you continue to, to make your grandmother's recipes. And yeah. it caused me for a beat to think about, I wonder, I wonder how over the years as you age, um, what, what that imprinting, how it will translate to others. And of course, in this case, you're sharing it directly with readers, which is, which is a really cool thing. <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's been a really very grateful to have the experience to do that. Oh, just yeah. very special. Hey, you got to walk me back though, because we got to, we're already here at you publishing a book, but I want to walk <laughs> back and know where books entered your life. And then I'm going to walk forward through art school and why mm-hmm. this story first, but can you walk me back <laughs> to story in your life, if that's something from childhood that you remembered uh, or that you've just always carried with you? Um, Well, I know very clearly where books kind of really entered my life and it's very early because I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and I grew up on an area of like Long Street, which is like a traditionally like historical African-American community. And right across from my house, was the library in the neighborhood. Wow, how lucky, oh my <laughs> word. Right across from my house was the library. Wow. And so my parents, they, we, we were at that library all the time. Like all the neighborhood kids, like that was, we all just went to the library. And so the library was just this really big community space where like I knew all the librarians growing up. They knew my name they're always asking me how I was doing in school and things like that or I knew the security guard very well like just like watch you grow up and so I I really didn't have like when people are like always saying oh what books did you own as a child like I really didn't own a lot of books as a kid because I was right across the street from the library and so like as a child I like as far as I was concerned their books were my books yeah (laughs) (laughs) so I was like like, it was great. And so I would just go. They had this really amazing children's book section. And so even after I was, like, supposed to – this was, like, how I started to get the sense that I was really, really engaged and just entranced by pictures especially. Because even I, – I, I started – people would take me over to the library and they would read the picture books to me. And then I learned how I could read the picture books myself. And then I kept reading the picture books even when I was beyond picture books. Just Good to, for you. <laughs> good for you <laughs> i love the images of it and okay. stuff like that yeah. and then of course i was like into comics and things like that but you know it's funny whenever when i eventually did get to school where i took this comic book class but when i took the comic book class i kept making picture book work and i was just like oh i think that's the sort of sequential art that i'm into <laughs> and oh, i wasn't very God. surprised because <laughs> I just I just grew up reading so many picture books, especially for me, books that lended themselves to be read out loud. Um, 
just like hearing them, being able to read them out loud to myself and stuff like that. Those have always been books that I've really, really loved. Just the hearing of them has been, it's been nice. Did you, when you were, when you decided to go to art school and you decided to go to Rhode Island School of Design, uh, or when you applied to Rhode Island School of Design, did you always have in mind to to focus on illustration and or even specifically i haven't gone to art school but if you're able to focus even that specifically on children's book illustration um i had actually crossed off the idea where like i crossed out the idea that i would ever be a picture book illustrator <laughs> so i definitely did because i had been told when i was growing up where there i was like i there at a time where i was like yeah i want to be a children's book illustrator but then i was told that it's just really competitive you know and it's like that's not a really smart thing to go towards and so i was like oh okay <laughs> so i was like when i went to art school oh man i i wasn't really exactly sure what i wanted to do i just I just knew that art made me happy. <laughs> it just made me smile and I just, I couldn't get enough of it. And so I think I scared my parents for a bit. But I was like, I just have to go. I was just so entranced <laughs> by just <laughs> artwork in general. I wasn't entirely sure. I thought I was probably going to go into illustration because um, my, one of my mentors in like one of my mentors in Columbus, I took like a, program that they had that we met every Saturday and he had come from a like very like traditional kind of illustration background illustration slash animation kind of background and so like he was always teaching us figure drawing and sketching and things like that and so and what it means to draw and all that sort of stuff and so I kind of had a sense of like well he kind of had pushed me towards like, oh, think about illustrations, think about illustration and stuff like that. And so I ended up, I decided after my uh, first year, because you get the first year of foundation to kind of look at different majors and decide. Yeah. Kind of had decided, I think, I think illustrations where it's at. And even when I was in illustration, I kind of thought I would go more into either textiles or like graphic design, but never thought about, doing picture books but when I got to my final year um I was taking a lot of textile courses and thinking I'll either do like some surface design thing or I'll do some graphic design but there was a class that uh, has been in RISD for a bunch of years it's called like picture and word and one of the big moments for me when I was in school was uh my sophomore year I would like look into the illustration like it was in the illustration building I would look into some of the classrooms where they were the upperclassmen and there's a teacher called Judy Sue and she teaches the course and the class would just always be filled of all these like seniors that I admired and stuff like that and I just they were all be talking about picture books and me still being obsessed about picture books I just thought that was the coolest thing and I was just like I have to take that course no matter what and so for my final year, it was definitely a just a me decision where I was like, I don't really know how this fits in the grand scheme of things. And being a children's book illustrator isn't really does it doesn't seem like a career that's really like bound to happen or anything like that. That's mm. really out there. So I was like, that's not gonna happen. But I just really wanted to take the class for myself just because I've always really loved picture books. And so I took the course and I just I had so much fun. It was, there was like 
<laughs> spent all my time on it and it was like not even labor. I was like, I was just, I had first decided, oh, I'm just going to take this course. And then I spent all my time on this course. Oh. Was, oh. so much fun. <laughs> yeah, when you know, you know with that, don't you? Wow. Yeah. And so it was, it was a great kind of like circular moment where by the end of my, like I had actually started my book, Amu in that course. I was going to ask and if so that's it was my it final. Out. It was I, it was my final project for the class, and um, my now art director from Little Brown was actually at my final presentation that fall semester of like 2015, and she just asked for a PDF and for they took the acquisitions and by that spring semester I was started on sketches for it. So it was. It was just wild. I see <laughs> it all worked out. It it seem I, I, from now what I know about publishing, it doesn't seem so bizarre that someone from Little Brown would end up in like this senior level class where they're making picture books and presenting them as their final projects. Now that makes sense, but before I would have said that is so bizarre that they would even show up there. But then you see well, the talent that comes out of. I mean, like, why Why wouldn't you go there? Why wouldn't you find people that are fresh out of school, that are so tapped into their creativity, and that are, you know, you don't, you're at a place where you don't know the rules of picture books. All you know is creating. You know all of the influence that they've had on your life, and so I feel like the way you express your story through picture books at that at that point in your life is so unhinged. It's a great time to catch picture book makers. The greatest time. <laughs> oh, cool. You had like a senior project that turned into a book. I have um yeah. Wild. That's that's awesome. I yeah. yeah. So okay, so to before I'm watching our time just slip away, just so you know. It's like giving me little panic attacks that I'm like, oh my word, we're already so deep into this conversation. But before we go much further, I want to stop and recognize your beautiful collage work on this, okay? I think, I mean, in particular, there's going to be a very specific thing I want to call out, but I learned through interviewing collage artists that one of the appeals in your art that I really love is because of the shadow, because I'm noticing shadow under it, which means that things aren't like shellacked flat or whatever I picture. That the lighting is causing a slight shadow, which causes the feeling that it is 3D because it is. Um, that when your book was photographed or scanned, however it was, that just these little amounts of space are are creating depth. So the texture mm. that you work with here, um, coming from a textile background or just an appreciation of of the look and feel of things. I love the way you took um, pieces of books and of maps and of whatever textured papers painted over top of them to unify their, their, their color, but not necessarily unify their texture so that they create a texture of their own. It is quite stunning. Thank you so much. Yeah. Like, Collage, uh, collage will tell you that. Collage is just, for me, it's like a forever lesson where it's, you can't, you can't entirely control the collage, you know, like you you just kind of have to, like, I always talk about like, oh, you're you're, like, it's a conversation where like, 
you're talking to collage and you're getting stuff back from it and you're just you're just you're just really engaged in a way where uh, I'll like I'll make a bunch of papers and I'll intend to use them one way, but I'll start to put it together and it's calling for something else. And so I'm like, oh, I guess this has to be different and stuff like that. But I I just you get it's, it's a little stressful sometimes, but you get obsessed with just like creating the balance between like all these different like like all these different textures and surfaces because I I love thinking about surface and stuff like that. So see, so you're yeah. working. I I appreciate I always threaten to do this that I'm gonna like take out on these folded and gathered copies I'm gonna take out the staples and just lay everything out because I can tell in your art for this particular book that you had a strong sense of what what all of the like from thumbnails to this what all of the spreads were communicating together there's a color story. Mm-hmm. In your, I don't know if that's the right way to word it, but that's the way I can articulate mm-hmm. it. There's a color story traveling through your book that the pinks enter, the blues and grays are here. There's these um, like yellow shades. Um, there's just it it the colors are constantly moving forward the story and and bringing us through the different uh, locations into the warmth of Amu's home out to the city. Uh, and back again, following the stew, it, it it's it's I, I can't find the words. It's just beautiful. But one of the brilliant things, and I mean this is insane. The the thing I will nerd out hardest over in design is that your end papers <laughs> you created different but symmetrical collage end papers. That it's like a top down map of like the daytime. With the scent of the stew traveling through the town from Amu's, um, well, from the pot, not from Amu's apartment in particular, but it's the window where the pot is through the town in like, again, these like uh, brown and purple tones flip to the back. As I'm sure that listeners are like hearing me flip, flip, flip these pages, but to these <laughs> like blues and grays and window, window lights, yellows. It's just, it's crazy. It's, I, I can't. I can't I'm even. So Ugh. You even like, no, 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 no. Let me just tell you. I know you know, but let me tell you back to this. There's even like a building that is clearly a map in the daytime and it turns into words in the nighttime. And people listening who haven't seen this are just like, this podcaster is nuts. But I'm telling you, it is, I haven't ever, it's this. I found the words. I've never seen something like this before you're showing me you're expressing art and story to me in a way that I haven't ever seen expressed before. And it's lighting up my brain. I love that. (laughs) Okay. I love that. (laughs) So much. I mean, like I like a lot. I think that it's it's funny you brought up that in papers because you're going to ask me what, were my favorite things to do was definitely those papers. <laughs> really? Did they come? Were, I, I assume they came like after story because end papers feel like know. a thing. That was like it, it was. It was really funny. They're like, you have to do end papers last. But I was like, no, I wanted to do those first. <laughs> <laughs> 
love so, that. So, like, by the end of the book, once I had done the other stuff, I was like, okay, now I can just, like, nerd out on these end papers. Like, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, the car is over here. It's right. Like, by the end of the next paper, it's going to move. Like, I was just getting really into, the like, how they were going to pair Yeah, the show. parking lot is empty now. The taxi yeah. moved. I know. <laughs> Trust me, I studied, legit studied your end papers. <laughs> I mean, that's this great thing. I thought to myself, I was like, no one's going to notice this, but at least I'll have this. Oh. <laughs> so, it's, it's, it's everything. <laughs> it's everything. Because there's also this trick where, because the colors are different, I think the first time I read it, I was like, oh, cool, the colors are different. It's just like different tones, beginning and different part of the city. But then you realize as you're, as you, as I'm doing now, I can't stop touching the pages, flipping back and forth. Uh, by holding them, you can you can just feel that they're that that they are meant to 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 be parallel, and it's just it's just it's just thoughtful. I'm grateful that 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 it's so evident the amount of thought that you put into this book, and that it remained because I I think that when we talk about editing, when we talk about what happens with other hands on your work. There, there. From the outside, I think is a fear that, like, your that you could be edited out of your work. Of course, mm. the more I talk to people, the more I realize that's not at all the case. That this team wants to make the book the best version of itself and your story the best version of itself. But uh, maybe it's something in me that's expressing some sort of um, unspoken fear of of editing and losing a part of myself through the edits mm-hmm. but but i mean your book is just another testament that that it can just be it can come to life oh. through all that i mean i definitely lucked out with like a really amazing team at little brown that like um my my editor sasha i um, no, my my art director sasha and my editor andrea they just they i think what was really special and what made me decide like oh i really wanted to work with them is that they just like the first email that Andrea had sent me about my book, she just like got the vision of what I really wanted for it. And so I think that what was special was that we all had an idea of what the book would be. And it was like that same idea. And so they were able to kind of like push me in ways of thinking about my book and stuff like that. And just, just really, I just had like two incredibly talented people to like bounce ideas off of and just, think of new ways or directions and things like that that yeah i just they were just really really amazing i just love collaborating with them on this project and i really i really do see it as like it was like yes my story and stuff like that but i really do see it as like a collaboration with them how my derpy little book dummy kind of became like a more like professional (laughs) book (laughs) well i'm grateful that through all of that as you mentioned when you were first describing the book i'm grateful that it became all of ours it became your readers it became it became ours it's because it's a beautiful thing and i can tell you as one of your readers that that we all treasure it and we are caring for it and we are going to protect your story and and honor the work that you put into it and that that beautiful space you left for all of us to lean in to smell that stew, to be welcomed into Amu's kitchen as well as one of her neighbors, as one of 
one of her family. That I could I couldn't ask for more. That truly means a lot. Thank you. I want to save some space, okay, for all of our conversations to come because I have a feeling. I have a feeling that this stew we enjoyed together over this conversation, <laughs> that there's there's more meals to come between you and me. Um, so for all that we are going to leave unsaid, I want to give you the chance to have last word with your readers to send a message to them. So I'm going to word it this way. I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you, Oge? Um, hmm. I think I would say stay curious and whatever there's something that you're passionate about, just just keep going for it. It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> it doesn't have to be what's expected. Just but whatever truly makes you happy, never feel afraid to just go for it and just being curious about it and try to discover more about it and just go keep searching through it and searching through it and just I think the special thing about life is you just never know where you're going to end up <laughs> this is Darshna Kiani children's author and book blogger want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian kidlet the Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individual's and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Lara, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. 
So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.